1: for you. Enjoy the show. This episode of Datable is brought to you by 500 Brunches. 500 Brunches connects like-minded people with similar interests to meet in real life over brunch. You answer a quick questionnaire about your interests and how you spend your time, and then they'll match you in small groups of six to eight at a brunch spot in San Francisco. Get a free entry into a brunch now by signing up at 500brunches.com and using the code DATEABLE. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show that opens up a candid conversation about dating in San Francisco. So it just so happens that a very popular book about dating called Available, a memoir of heartbreak, hookups, love, and brunch, was written by my high school friend, Madison Perry. And it just so happens that he is in San Francisco for the weekend to promote his book, and I invited him to be a guest on the show. Lucky us. Here's a quick summary of what the book is about. What happens when the serial monogamist, self-proclaimed nice guy, gets dumped by the girl he thought was the one? He comes up with the plan. One be single for a year. Two, date a lot of women. Three, hurt no one's feelings. Inavailable, award-winning storyteller Madison Perry brings us into the inner sanctum of failed pickup lines, uncomfortable courtships, awkward texts, and his unexpected journey to self-discovery, charting the highs and lows of single life and the lessons he learned along the way. This episode is hosted by me, I'm Yue, co-host of the Dateable Podcast, former dating coach in New York, turned active dater in San Francisco. In addition to our guest, Madison, you'll hear commentary from my producer, Julie, and Grant, who is Madison's friend, and I guess you could call him his dating Sherpa. Grant's real name is actually Brad, but to be consistent with the book, we'll refer to him as Grant. So Madison, I feel like your book really documents your year of being quite the manslut.
2: I mean, it was a year of spiritual awakening, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, slutty is another way to put that.
1: Give us kind of a summary of your book and also why Burning Man is such a big part of it.
2: So the, the book starts, uh, I was living with a woman I'd been dating for three years and she broke up with me and broke my heart and I'd always been a serial monogamous, very quick from serious relationship to serious relationship with little gaps in between. And so I kind of felt like I needed to change my dating pattern. Um, And right after I got dumped, Grant had gone to Burning Man for the first time, and he told me about it uh, and the many pretty women there are and the fun he'd had there. And so I was like, I want to go to Burning Man, but I want to be single when I go so I can have a lot of weird desert sex. (laughs) And uh, so Burning Man was was like 11 months away at that point. which would be a long time for me to stay single. I'd never stayed single since I started dating at 18 that long. And so I just decided I'm going to be single when I go there, but I don't want to be celibate for the 11 months, so I will date a lot. And so I did online dating and casual dating and tried to be upfront with people about what I was uh, looking for, which was not a serious relationship. And so I made it, I made it to Burning Man.
1: Basically your whole plan started with because you had this really devastating breakup, yeah, right? You wanted to rescue her. You had the hero mm-hmm. complex with her. Yeah. So that's when you came to the realization that there's a difference between being a nice guy versus a kind guy.
2: Yeah, I think that there's two sort of aspects that define nice guy for me. Um, one is you do things out of how it will make people feel about you as opposed to the truth. So that means you'll stay in a relationship you don't want to be in, because you don't want to hurt the other person's feelings. Um, You're always like putting off the difficult painful thing which only makes it more painful and awkward in the long run And it also works in the reverse like I could feel something was wrong But I was so worried about what it meant if I got dumped that I like would do instead of actually saying like am I enjoying this Relationship is this relationship working? It's just like how do I make it work? I just need to work harder be kinder and it ends up making someone resent you because when they're treating you poorly because they don't really want to be with you and you respond by just being nicer to them. Mm. It like starts this cycle of like they start to resent you. They're like yeah. they because f- they feel horrible because they know they're not being a great partner. And then but their partner is like being even nicer and like and it creates this resentment cycle. And then the second part is you know why don't nice guys get girls? Is a lot of times nice is also a synonym for shy, like mm. for not being forward, for not being honest about your intentions. So if you are friends with someone and you really want to date them, you need to tell them that. Yeah, Um, And not just sit there and like try and radiate niceness until they like (laughs) come over and and have sex with you. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it doesn't mean, you know, like I'm not a believer in like negging or being, you know, like the a-hole or the bad guy or cheating on a a girl to to, like like, get her to stick around. It's just you should ask someone out, you know, it's that simple of like, I, I like you, can I take you on a date? Yeah. That's something a nice guy's afraid to do. A, because they're afraid she'll say no, and then what does that mean about me? And B, they're just like, it's, it's more of a cowardly, you're, we're sort of raised to be very polite to women, and sometimes insinuating you have sexual attraction to a woman feels impolite. Um, oh, like when I was a young guy, particularly mm-hmm. in high school, it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to in, in, you know, insinuate I, I want to do something sexual to you, because that's insulting to you as huh. a woman. Um, and obviously there's crude ways to go about that, but it's okay to be like, I'm attracted to you, I wanna go out with you. And most people are like, oh great, thank you.
1: Because we learned this on our podcast too, is that guys are always like, how do I get out of the friend zone? Yeah. I think that's the difference between being a nice guy and being a nice guy who wants to date you, yep. is that you, you make that move that's beyond friendship.
2: Getting out of the friend zone is really easy. You just stop being friends with that person. Yeah. Like You either want to be friends with them genuinely, so you stay friends with them, you're, then you're, that's, that's just being friends, that's not the friend zone or you stop hanging out with them. Like, it's pretty yeah. simple thing to get out of.
3: I also like the way that you defined nice guy as having a deference to the other person in this situation. A nice guy or a nice girl when you're trying to do the best to be liked, and therefore I think you might sacrifice uh, being genuine and just being yourself. And I think niceness in that sense can be unattractive because you're not... Really presenting anything, you're not right. you know. yeah.
1: you're not showing textures of who you are. Yeah, you're just presenting this one side, which is the nice guy. Right. Yeah. And you talk about breakups as someone has to win the breakup.
2: Yeah, I and definitely uh, it's not a good attitude to have, but it, it's I think for a lot of people, and it was for me, the natural attitude of when I got dumped, I was really hurt, uh, but my attitude was like, don't let her know you're hurt. Just move uh-huh. on. Cut her out of your life. And the problem with winning, trying to win the relationship by like getting into another relationship very quickly is you're still pivoting off of someone else instead of what you actually want in life. And you're not, you know, I think that one thing I realized with this breakup is you can, there's two sort of phases to getting over someone. Very quickly after I got dumped, I didn't want to get back together. Like I'd been hurt. I could see now from the outside that it wasn't a healthy relationship but I wasn't over being in a relationship and having that connection. And I think that takes time to work through and to like sort out what happened in that relationship, what should be different. And so when you're trying to win and you just try and yeah. get into another relationship and prove you're okay, like you really do have to give yourself time to mourn the relationship. Yes. It's okay to be sad something's ended even if it was the right thing for it to end.
1: So let's keep on going down this timeline, <laughs> the breakup. The breakup is what catapults you into this plan. So then you go on and say, okay, I'm gonna date for a year, this is the plan. Mm-hmm. And you made a list of what kind of girlfriend your ideal girlfriend
0: would be.
2: The, the sort of conclusion I came to, which I got a little too brainy about it, uh, as I talk about in the book, but you know, there's these feelings of love that are very easy to, it's easy to know when you're in love. You, you just feel you're in love, you, you've fallen hard for someone. But in order for a long-term relationship to work, they also need to be sort of an objectively good partner. Yeah. And so I think a lot of times in our culture, we're taught like, if you feel that love, everything else is surmountable. And so, and it becomes this weird thing where like, the less compatible you are as life partners, the more you're like, it feels powerful because you've overcome yeah. it. Like, huh. And I, I came to this realization, it's okay to not be with someone you love because they're really unreliable or because they behave in a way you don't like. Um, it, it doesn't mean you like gave up on the relationship. It means you made a choice, because ultimately the passion of the beginning relationship will fade, and you, now you're gonna be, if you're with someone, they're your roommate, they're your business partner, they're right. your co-parent, they're, they're, they're all these things. And early in my life, I think I felt good to be the more together person in a relationship, because you're like, I'm the hero, I'm taking care, I'm yeah. the fixer, I'm the, the wise one. And, and so I wanted to make this list of traits to try and remind myself when the next time I fell in love, like, is this person going to be a good partner five years from now? When you know you're not having sex every day and you're not passionately in love, and life is hard. And I think you need to make this list. And it, it's not like stuff like needs to be over five foot six or needs to be a. It's like has a steady job. Uh, you know, has a good friend network. Has, you know, things that are objective partners you want. In someone and if you make the list before you're in love it's can actually be objective
1: but this is a difference between finding someone to date versus finding someone to be a partner mm-hmm. and that's something you come to okay, realize yeah. in your 30s yes. right I would say 30 is the magical yes. age it's where very you're like, different. Yeah, you date way differently in your 30s I want to go through your list because this is a great list one has her shit together what does that
2: mean so basically just has a job ideally a career mm-hmm. you know Lives in a a relatively normal living space, doesn't have six roommates, um, and just feels like the kind of person that when is not, there's like people that are just agents of chaos in this world, where there's always something going on. And a lot of it you can call bad luck, but it's like, well, if you keep having bad luck, like something is involved. Or there's there's people you meet where like, oh, this person's just competent and they're good at their job and someone like that.
1: Number two, load maintenance.
2: So this is one thing I realized is a lot of the people I dated, it it felt like, and and part of this is just we were both young at the time, but they made my life harder, Mm -hmm. not easier. So if I had an issue, I didn't want to go to them because I was like, oh, they'll just freak out uh, or they're having their own freak out that I need to take care of. And again, it feels great because you're the fixer. They freak out and you're like, oh, let me help you fix that. So low maintenance is someone that it's like, I know if I'm going through a tough time, they will, they will step, they not only can take care of themselves, but they'll step up and take care of me while I'm like at low capacity for whatever reason.
1: Number three, has long-term important friendships slash relationships?
2: Yeah, I, I feel like there's, I dated a few women who are like, they had no long friends, you know, and I, I feel like I have. I have friends from high school still. I have, you know, granted I've been friends since college. I have friends I picked up when I lived in New York, and I have friends in LA. And so I think it's important to. It's it can be a really good marker of someone that they're still in touch with at least a few people. If someone has a million ex-best friends, it's like why do you keep stop? Like we fall out of touch with people. That happens in life. But when it, you're around someone that seems to have always be having falling outs, like I don't think I've ever fallen out with anyone. You know, you like lose touch with someone, but yeah, why were we friends with her in the first place? Then that was.
1: Um, one of my favorite questions on a first date is, tell me about your best friend. Yeah.
2: yeah. I
1: like to hear about that. And guys always get a little taken aback by it. They're like, okay. whoa, that's a little yeah. weird, but okay, I'll tell you about my best friend. And it
0: says a lot about, a lot yeah. about it someone. It says what your values are also.
1: Absolutely. Um, next one, like and love.
2: When you fall in love with someone, it's really like it's infatuation in the beginning. It's attraction. And that's just like a compatibility issue that can get masked by sexual attraction and infatuation. And so I think it's important to think, Sometimes I call it like a beer on a Sunday afternoon test. Like you think of the people you'd love to just sit on a porch and drink a beer with for several hours and it'd be low-key and really nice. And your significant other should be someone like that, that even if there was no prospect of sex, you would be like, oh, I'm glad they're gonna be there. That's gonna be more fun because this person is coming. As opposed to sometimes people I've dated who are like, oof, boy, uh, it's kinda good they didn't come to the party with me because I yeah. have to handle them and worry about them getting in a fight with so-and-so.
1: We'll finish the list. Last one, truly respect my partner.
2: Yeah. And so this, they all kind of like weave together. But again, this is for a lot of relationships. I just found like they wouldn't be the first person I went to with an issue because I would their like reaction would make it worse. I didn't want to trouble them. I didn't really like think they would have much valuable input, which maybe even wasn't true. It was just my perspective. But you should ideally be with someone, and like that's how it is with my wife now. Like if I have an issue, I'll go tell her about it because I know she will. Yeah. yeah. She might not have an actual like solution, and sometimes you don't need a solution. But she won't make it worse. Yeah. She'll either have a nice solution or help me find a solution. Um, and so I don't. I'm not afraid to tell her.
1: This is part of the problem with dating today because. We date in that me versus you mentality, and I think a lot of people date trying to get validation from the other person, but that they forget that there is a partnership there.
0: A partnership versus a relationship are
1: two different things. things.
2: The list, as I was building, I tried to say this is a list for anybody, not Mm -hmm. these aren't what I want. These are things that a healthy relationship and person should. should have. These are objectively positive relationship traits.
1: And in addition to this list, I always like making a list of how someone makes me feel. The ideal feelings that I want from a partner. I want to feel loved. I want to feel safe. I want to feel respected. I want to feel I'm being appreciated. You know, that's always a good list, too, because then you can go off of your feelings. So then you get into this one year of online dating.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was totally open to asking people out in other situations, but when you, wanna, when you wanna hit those quotas that I was going for, <laughs> yeah. gotta get online.
1: Online dating in the way that you did it is perfect for that stage in your life where yeah. you're just trying to figure out yeah. what you like and what you don't like. Right.
2: Yeah, I think that I had really good experiences, but I also, because I wasn't looking for a girlfriend, I felt no frustration that it mostly didn't work out. Whereas like I talk about when you go on a first date for online dating, I like to think of it as not, it's like a pre-date. You're meeting up to decide if you should go on a date because you can't really know from online. You're like, I think we might want to go on a date. Let's meet. Yeah, and then if you go into it with that mentality, there's no real disappointment. You're like, oh no, I found out that we're not going to go on a date.
1: And you have this other other strategy called plotting points.
2: Yes. How
1: to plot points in a relationship? One, no more than one date a week. At this pace, the relationship can remain casual for a long time. Yup, that's San Francisco dating for you. Number two, don't make specific plans for the next date while on the current date. Okay. Number three, maintain continuity between dates by keeping in touch via text, maybe emojis and sure eggplants here there. Number four, when you do set the date, make it a few days or a week in the future, buying further time while confirming interest.
2: Yeah, so the, the idea is basically that three dates is very different if they happen in five days versus three weeks. Yeah. and so the strange thing about being honest about not wanting a serious relationship is if you on a first date or like look by the way i'm not going to marry you the other person's gonna be like yeah f off i don't even know if i want a second date yeah and so there's this gray zone where you're like when do i be fully honest that isn't presumptuous that isn't weird because we're still feeling out if we even want to go on a couple dates and so by plotting points sometimes you can communicate without actually having to have the talk like what type of a relationship Mm-hmm. It is. I, I would never ghost anyone. There, if, if someone communicated to me, I would always respond. But sometimes you just, you know, they'd be like, hey, what are you doing this week? And you'd, even if it wasn't totally true, I'd be like, oh, I'm busy this week, but how about next Thursday? Right. Uh, and then now I've communicated into a certain, like, oh, we're not, I'm, you're not a priority to me. Yeah. And they can say, well, I don't want to date someone who I'm not a priority. They can be like, okay, that's the kind of this relationship this is. This mm-hmm. isn't the head over heels. We see each other as much as we can. It's a, we're attracted to each other. Let's hang out sometimes kind of thing and sometimes it's you know it's giving the other person credit of not knowing for sure what they want and saying they're an intelligent human being that can then take uh, stock of what type of relationship this is and respond in kind. Now Mm -hmm. at a certain point if this goes on a long time you can start to sense if the person is just going along because they really like you and you might need to say you know be a bit more vocal and say hey I just wanted to check in what are you looking for? Here's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's really important to, I just had a friend, you should always, instead of saying, hey, what are you looking for? You should say, this is what I'm looking for. Is that okay with you? Because when you ask, what are you looking for? Uh. The person is like, are they asking because they want more or what they want less? Uh. And how do I want to respond in kind? It's much better to say, I'm looking for something casual. Does that work for Uh. you? Or I really like this. I want it to be more than casual. Does that work for you? Well and yeah. I hope when, uh, particularly when women read my book, it will give them an insight into a men's mind that I think when someone isn't interested in us, our first thing is like, what's wrong with me? I'm deficient, yeah. he's too good for me. Mm-hmm. And the honest truth was like, when I was in this phase of the book, I don't know if like if I'd met my wife at the wrong time, if we would have ended up together. Yeah, exactly. um, And so sometimes it's nice to just know where it's very easy to be solipsistic with online dating and like for better or worse, it's my fault. It's about me when it doesn't work out. When really that's a lot of times not the case. Someone's just, sometimes people are too busy to like date seriously or they're not interested in it or they don't want it. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's much nicer to just think of like not a match, whether it's yeah. because of compatibility or timing, we're not a match. It's not about me. When people mm-hmm. break up, whether it's a short or long-term relationship, we all want to know why, but the why basically never matters. Yeah. And really when people fall out of love and are trying to say why, they, it's not like they made a list of whys and then decided, I don't want to love this person anymore because of these, they had this feeling and then they intellectualize it with these whys and they kind of don't matter ultimately. It's like this person doesn't want to be with you. It doesn't really matter whether they're wrong or right, right. or why, it's just, it's done. The connection's finished. And so you just need to accept that.
1: Um, you're nearing the end of your experiment. You go to Burning Man. Yeah. The best part of this is while I'm reading your book, I'm going through your Facebook photos. Nice. So I'm going through. Oh, these are the Burning Man photos. Yeah. Oh, this is the gold uh-huh. girl. Oh, this is a. Uh-huh. All right. Now wow. I'm putting all the faces together. The it's man. great being friends with you on Facebook because I can stalk you while reading so your So you're going to have
0: an influx of Facebook friend requests. Yeah, this. I know. I know. Your photo, maybe you're like you should too, keep them I, I have
2: had a, accepted a couple of Facebook friends from people we went to high school with that I have oh. probably not talked to since high school. And in general, I just accept all friend requests. But now that you've said this, I'm like... <laughs> Oh, boy. Some deep dives going on.
1: Let's talk about the million dollar question. Okay. When, at what point did you feel like, I need a change and I'm ready for a girlfriend?
2: Yeah, I think for me, so my original plan was a year. I made it to Burning Man. Uh, I didn't have a lot of sex at Burning Man, but I met a, a very nice, beautiful woman who came back with me to LA for a few days. And that was a really fun fling. And uh, so at that point, I was like, my year's up, my like, self-promise is up, but like, why quit now? Like, I'm actually really good at dating now, and this is really fun. And I think I made it about another six months, and there's a couple chapters in the book where like, they weren't bad experiences, but it just felt really sleazy, and I realized I was not being honest with myself or the women anymore. I, was just, I like, had what felt like a superpower at this point of being able to have sex with people I just met a day or two ago. And so I was finally like, okay, uh, this isn't as enjoyable anymore. And you know, sometimes something difficult happens in your life and you can't call the woman you've been out with three times from Mm OkCupid and be like, I just, I want to talk about, you know, my dad's (laughs) going through a tough time and it's hard you know, like, and so I was like, okay, I've finished my plan. I'm going to go find my perfect girl using my list. And, um, I went, I met the girl through OkCupid and we were really compatible and she was a great, great woman. And I didn't really feel a strong spark. But I was like, well, that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted an intellectual connection, and we'll grow to love each other. And Mm -hmm. um, and of course, that was, so I went from, like, being all heart to being, well, basically, I went from all heart to all dick to all head (laughs) uh, brain. (laughs) Yeah, not not that kind of head. So this relationship that I knew wasn't quite right. She ended up feeling the same way and dumped me after three months. And so I was like, well, I was supposed to be, you know, had this figured out now. So at that point, I really wanted to, I realized, okay, I chose someone just because we were connection mentally and she you know so that that list is really important but you still need to have the love I think there needs to be that initial spark of attraction of love that's very strong um, that binds you together Uh,
1: Go back to talk about your sleazy, Mm. your sleaziness, because I I feel like every guy gets to a point where they go, oh my god, I'm that guy. No one wants to be the old guy in the club. Yeah, nobody wants to be that guy.
2: I was at at a club and I was very drunk because I'd been at a beer fest all day and I went to a club and I was just, I was texting with two girls at once, setting up dates, sort of being very flirty, like borderline, like sex texting. While I was like wandering around the club, trying to find someone to dance with, and also a girl who I like had a very casual relationship, we saw each other every couple months, Was I knew it was coming later in the evening, but I couldn't wait an hour to like, and so at the time, this all seemed fine, um, but I was dancing with this girl, and it got very physical, and, and she had initiated, she was also drunk, and like got very handsy, and so we were like that drunk gross couple that just making out on a <laughs> dance floor and yeah. Yeah. yeah and she got pulled away from me by some friends who were kinda like leave her alone. And uh, you know the next day when I was sober and thinking about it, I'd like had so many experiences in college where I would like pull female friends away from some like skeezy guy yeah, and it wasn't yeah. like they or I was doing anything wrong. It's just like the friends were like, you're gonna regret like making out with this drunk dude. Like, yeah. come on, let's, let's go. And so that was sort of the real awakening of like, oh, I was, like the next morning they are like, oh, that sleazy guy was all over you and like, yeah. God, making out with you in the club. And she'd be like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> and so I was like, oh my God, this has gone too far. Like, how I can I be God. the sleazy guy?
0: <laughs> you said it in the book, and I love this part. At the club, you were like, I should change. Yeah. And then after those flings, you were like, I want to change.
1: There's so much self work that people need mm-hmm. to do because I, you know, in, in your book, Madison, you talk about staying single has started as a choice, but I began to wonder if I lost the ability to form a meaningful relationship. Mm-hmm. I feel like so many people are in that boat because at some point you start dating and you, you have sort of feelings for people and then you go, am I a robot? Because yeah. why can't I find a yeah, deep right. connection? I think one, it's timing, maybe you're just not yep. there yet, and two is you just haven't found the right person. So yep. I think it's it's that working on yourself, working on your own emotions and not, like you said, explaining away your emotions, and like yep. I love that phrase. Mm-hmm. Don't explain away your emotions, confront them and be real with them and really deal with that, how you're feeling, and that's how you can open yourself up to other people too.
2: Once you're at a place where you're open to it, it's becomes easy. You meet yeah. the right person and there's no games, there's no plotting points. You're just like are excited to see that person a lot. And it's not, you know, I think a lot of people are like, well, we should probably move in together because we've been dating for two years and that's what you do. When Whereas I think when it's really like right and you're in the right place, you're like, oh, I'm so excited yeah. that I get to wake up with this person every day and yeah. we're combining our lives. This isn't a fearful thing or a thing I'm like, compromising to do.
1: And I don't want to give too much away, but you and your wife were engaged what, within?
2: Uh, four months.
1: Four months of meeting each other, okay. That's all we're gonna say.
2: You know, I think a lot of times we only call a relationship a success if it like, ends in lifelong marriage. Mm -hmm. But like relationships can be successful in a variety of definitions, and so, Instead of saying like, what's wrong with me? I can't find someone. It's just like, maybe you don't really want that right now. And that's okay. Like some, some people want that at age 22. Some people don't ever want it. Some people, you know, sometime in your thirties, you really are ready for it and you meet the right person. And it's okay in the meantime to just be like, you know, I kind of like my life. I have my friends and my life and I like being a bit independent. And I also like having sex and meeting new people. And so that can be okay. And I know it gets frustrating because sometimes you really want The close connection to and you're, you're just struggling to find it but it's not about failure one thing i realized with marriage is you can't have there's positives to being single and there's positives to being married and you can't have them both at the same time i mean there's mm. open relationships where maybe you can try and find some facsimile of that but um and you sort of have to be at a place where the po- positives of the marriage become or a serious relationship become more attractive to you than the positives of being single and just sort of acknowledge so you can be single and want the positives of a relationship, but not yet be really truly willing to give up the positives of being single.
1: Yep. I think people forget that dating is trial and error, and nobody really knows. What they're doing, right? right. Like yes. nobody has their shit figured out, so you can't really. No one's
3: written a book on it. <laughs> no one's written. A book on it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no one's.
0: <so laughs> I mean, the podcast is great because you realize no one has their, no shit, one figured has their <laughs> shit figured out. No one has <laughs> their shit figured out. And
2: yeah. it's yeah. about finding a match. Like I think it's easy to think like, I'm trying to find the best person. Like we all have some like inherent mm-hmm. ranking of attractiveness and coolness, and you're trying to find the person at the highest ranking possible that you can achieve. Right. And really, you're just trying to find a match. So whether it's you yeah. or the other person yeah. that is determined, it's not a good match. You're like, okay, now we know, and we move yeah. on. Like. It sucks when they figure it out first, but it's still just one of you figuring out, like, ah, not a match.
1: The other takeaway I have is that we are multifaceted people. We're constantly changing. So what you want today could Mm -hmm. change tomorrow as well. Yep. Right? And it will. will. And I think it's important to communicate that to the people you're dating and to the people that you have relationships with. I
0: feel like we covered a lot. We covered a lot. (laughs) I I learned a lot from your book.
1: Because it's so rare to see, to hear a male perspective. This male Carrie Bradshaw kind of perspective on dating. I do think every guy needs to go through the slutty phase.
2: The big thing for me now being a married man is if I hadn't gone through this slutty phase, I always would have had like high school Madison in my head of like, can I get girls? And like, yes. I think sometimes guys cheat because it's just like, this girl likes me? I, yeah. Like, this is a miracle. I have uh, to take yeah. advantage of this miracle. And now I've dated enough, I know like it's not a miracle if right. a girl likes me. And so I'm not tempted to like go prove my mm-hmm. worth as a man, and I think it's for a lot of guys, just getting that out of your system is good, where you're yeah. like, okay, I could go get laid all the time, I've done that, yeah, and it led to me wanting a relationship, and so there's no grasses, are, you know what the grass is like on the other side.
1: And for guys at home, when you if you're questioning, am I ready, am I there? My friend from New York put it best, he goes, I knew I was ready for a relationship, was when I stepped into a bar, saw the most attractive woman there, and thought, yeah, I could probably take her home and wake up next morning next to her, but I'd rather wake up and jog and do my own thing <laughs> the next morning. He's like, I knew then I was ready because yeah. just a thought, just knowing I can get her is fine. It's yeah. good enough. And I don't need to go <laughs> through the motions There's of a it. lot
3: of significance of fe- having that feeling, that confidence. Yeah. You know, you, you've addressed that insecurity yep. in a way that you, you know, can kind of transcend it.
2: Yeah. And it's so relaxing too when you're not worried about <laughs> <laughs> like, That's true. We were at a bar a couple months ago, and it was like five of us, old friends, only one of us is single, and like some pretty girls came up to play shuffleboard with us. And like all the guys in relationships were like, eh, I don't want to deal with these young and annoying yeah, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> girls. And like the one single guy kind of had to be like, oh, I'll play, and like yeah. trying to figure out like which girl to be on that side of the table with. And the rest of us was, like, eh, beer break, let's go. Yeah. Like, And it's like so relaxing to not.
1: When you give zero thoughts. Yeah.
2: Because when you're single, you're always like, I failed because I'm worthless, and now I'm like, oh, I would have had sex with every girl here, but I'm married, yeah. and I'm not trying to do that. So you just <laughs> you, this,
1: you okay. may put that yes. pussy away. Thank <laughs> you. When did you know you were going to write a
2: book? Uh, so it was, it was a few months into the, uh, what I'll call the experiment. Um, so in the beginning, it, wasn't, it really was mostly about, like, I want to be single when I get to Burning Man, so I'm not going to. Because I just knew myself. I knew if I dated anyone seriously, like, I would have a girlfriend, it would be a different experience at Burning Man. Maybe I wouldn't go. And then sort of backed into this realization of like, oh, this actually is a healthy way to date. Like, you should take some time between serious relationships to kind of reset and figure yourself out and what you want. Um, And, you know, I was 30. And so there's a chance however, you know, the older you get, the the, the higher the chance the next serious relationship could be a very long term one. And so I wanted to choose wisely. And so I was, and then I started dating a lot and I would always uh, been a performer and done storytelling at the Moth and places like that. So it was all kind of material. Anything that happened was potential material. Yeah. Um, and so maybe like four or five months in, I started to really think like, oh, maybe I could collect something and you know, a, a year could be a nice capsule for a book. And the interesting thing was once I sort of made that decision, I started dating more aggressively and, and like uh, Grant and I went to Thailand together and I started doing things. And that I'm like, well, even if I don't enjoy it, it'll be a good story. Mm. Um, And so it actually became like a very nice way to live life is where you're like trying to collect stories and not trying to artificially create anything, but just being, going outside your comfort zone as much as possible and trying new things, dating people you wouldn't normally date. Trying drugs for the first time, doing all these things I wouldn't normally do, because I'm like, well, even if it doesn't go well, maybe it'll be a funny story. I had mostly there's there's a couple like crazy date stories in the book, but it's mostly like I met nice people and it yeah. it went you know I I tried to make it interesting, and humorous, but it's more about like my experience than this bitch was crazy like yeah. And so when you go into this mindset of I'm not looking for my wife or even a serious girlfriend, like there's really like the worst case scenario is like, ah, not attracted. Won't ask her out again. Like mm-hmm. And that became the worst case scenario. And you I wouldn't push too hard to try and make it anything special. You just go out and try and, and see what kind of connection there was. And if that was a one date connection or a six date connection, either way it was fine. So even if you, you do ultimately want a serious significant other, I think it can help when people are dating a lot to just be like, I'm going to have a relationship with this person. It may be a 30-minute relationship. It might be a three-week relationship. It might be a lifelong relationship. But all of those are okay. Yeah. Um, and not try and push it in either direction. Yeah.
3: I also feel like for you, and for me as well, when you put structure to something like dating and trying to break a habit, yeah. it yeah. forces to the surface communication in a really meaningful way. Because in my experience, uh, I've been in a few relationships where you date for a few months it seems to be going well and then all of a sudden by default you're calling each other boyfriend and girlfriend mm-hmm. and you bring to that all these assumptions mm-hmm. and this idea of how a relationship is and should be and that can have the uh, adverse effect of inhibiting just honest communication about this is what I want you know I don't feel like I'm getting it but yeah. I don't want to be a bad boyfriend so mm-hmm. you know I think people in relationships can sometimes over-prioritize the other person or the relationship, and there's a lot of breakdown in communication. Like,
2: like, one of the realizations I had during this time is that emotional honesty is never unkind. Even if it will hurt someone's feelings in the moment, make them not like you, that it's actually the kind thing to do in the long run is to be honest about your intentions and feelings.
0: Ghosting comes up all the time on this podcast, right. and I think a lot of people will ghost me, mm-hmm. be the nice person. I
2: just wrote a sh- short article uh, for playboy.com about this, that, instead of ghosting, you should just lie. What do
1: you mean? So this is the lie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, it's
1: a provocative
3: headline, isn't it?
2: This is, this is for like <laughs> a short term. This isn't like you've been dating for a year and a half kind of thing. But if you've been going on a few dates and you know you don't want to go, if you ghost someone, the problem is they don't know what happened. Right. And so here's what you say to someone that you don't want to see anymore after like a third date. You just say, someone from my past has come back into my life and I want to give it another chance. Mm. And so I'm sorry, but I don't think we should go out again.
1: People ghost because they want to keep the door open. They don't oh, ghost really? because they're trying to hurt, they're trying to spare people's feelings. I think it's both. It's, well, most people point, ghost though. because they want to come, ghost come back and they haunt you. Which mm. isn't nice or kind. It's not nice or kind. <laughs> yeah. So when you say something like, oh, someone from my past has come back, you kind of close the door. Well, this
2: is for closing the door, yeah. This yeah. is for getting you out without, because the problem is if you start to give reasons to, that reason is sort of, Irrefutable. Like most right. people will just be like, Okay, thanks for being honest, even though you're lying. They don't know that. That's how right. lies work. And so they'll be like, Thanks for being honest and letting me go. Whereas if you say like I'm not feeling connection, the person might be like, Well, let's give it another date, let's give it another chance yeah. or like I can get into hiking, come on. Like <laughs> yeah. that that's the other thing is I, I realized during this year is when you talk about being good at dating, most people assume that means like, yeah, that guy can get any chick he wants, or that girl like can get laid anytime she wants. But there's also this form of being good at dating, which is like being a professional about it, and managing it well, and you lower the ceiling of how bad it can be.
1: And I think that's a really good point, because we talked about this too, this getting good at dating, what Mm -hmm. does it mean? Because at some point, you get so good at dating in this book, that you say you have an easy time faking a connection and closeness, and it's like running a program, right? They Mm -hmm. say something, and you know the right thing to say back to them, it's running that program. And at some point, all of us get so good at dating, that you're like, I could go on a date with a with a wall and have a great time yeah. because I know how to talk to anybody but then where is that connection where is that emotional connection mm. so I like what you're saying with getting good at dating in a almost a professional way knowing yeah. knowing what you're looking for and then getting to know yourself in the dating process and yeah. also sparing people you know from wasting time
2: yeah I think the the you know you get good at dating and then you sort of have to use your powers for good instead of evil yes. at a certain point where Being good at dating also has to be like, I know it's not here. I could fake it and get laid, but I'm not trying for that anymore. And so you move on. You have to be able to be honest with yourself as well about what do you really want.
1: But you you make this point that I often run into with people is that when you start dating and you start getting good at dating, you crave that validation from Mm -hmm. people, and people focus so much on getting the other person to like them back and not analyzing if you're liking that person, right? right? So it becomes this, Oh, why hasn't, it's an ego trip. It's, why hasn't he called me back? He should want to be with me. He should want to spend time with me. For some reason, when you talk about dating, it's me versus you. Yeah. Yeah. It's very strange. But when you talk about friendship, it's us and we. And I like that um, you bring up how you and your wife, woo, wife, (laughs) um, had a friendship first. And then that turned into a relationship because it takes away that me versus you.
2: You know, it can be tough. You don't want to force something where you're not really attracted to a friend, but you get along as well as friends. But I think it can be a really good foundation um, if you really know the person outside the context of trying to have sex with them and have a relationship.
1: My main takeaway from that is, and Julie knows and listeners know, that I'm very black and white about friendship versus relationship. I don't... I don't take friendships to the next level, and after a relationship, I don't stay friends. It's very black and white for me. But what I did learn from this, from your experience, is to treat dating as you're getting a new friend. And yeah. I think that takes the me versus yeah. you out of it. It's, would you ever flake on a friend? No, because that's disrespectful, you wouldn't do that. Yeah. Would you ever ghost on a friend? No, that's dumb, why would you
0: do that? And if
2: they did that to you, you would stop being friends right. with them. Exactly. You wouldn't yeah. be like, oh, I gotta try harder to keep
0: this right. friendship going. Right. Like, What's wrong with me? You'd be like, that person sucks. Like- and also, <laughs> when was the last
1: time you were like, should I text my friend? No, I should wait three days to text, right? right? Like, right. it would never <laughs> happen. So Madison, your book available, where can we find it?
2: It uh, is online. It's in bookstores. You should be able to find it in most bookstores. You can get it at my website. It has links to wherever you want to buy it, which is uh, www. I don't know why I told you the www. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For
3: uh, all the internet users. three w's.
2: Uh, My website is my name, Madison Perry, but it's spelled M-A-T-T e s o n p e r r y dot com. Um, you can buy the book online anywhere. You should be able to go into a bookstore buy your house and buy it. I also narrated the audio version of this oh, book, awesome. oh, so you can get that through Audible or audio. buy it. And uh, yeah, it was really it's it's a good. Uh, it's fun to to hear me read.
1: Well, I, I have to I have to admit, and I'm not I'm just saying this because we know each other. This book really changed oh, my love perspective yep. about dating. It. And Grant, who also is Brad, <laughs> you are now Grant. P-
0: okay? You're now Grant. Now we have to
1: say you're Brad because you host a podcast as well. Tell us what yeah. that podcast um, is.
3: Thank you. It's called Entheogen. The subject matter of that show. And theogen, when you break the word down, means generating the divine within. Oh. So a lot of the subject matter of our podcast is around psychedelics, uh, research, use and treatment, recreational use, but not uh, exclusively psychedelics. We've done shows on breath work, on yoga, mm, and cool. basically all uh, capacities for... Um, when you can have a either a spiritual or a psychedelic experience, however that comes about. Wonderful. I can't wait to check it out. I yeah. know.
1: And I love how Madison talks about, if you read his book, he talks about some of his first encounters with psychedelics, which... Um, really coincide with mine, <laughs> my experience as well. So if you read it, you'll probably find something very similar to your experience. there. And remember to
0: friend Madison on Facebook. Yes, yeah, okay. so, so you can
1: stalk his photos. <laughs> Listeners at home, if you have questions for Madison or for Grant Brad, you can Grant <laughs> Brad. <laughs> email us. We will love to get them to answer um, your questions for you. And if you have any cool dating stories, let us know. We love featuring... Any sort of stories you may have, we can protect your identity and change your name to Grant or Brad. <laughs> Those are the <laughs> only two names. Two, name, two names you can choose. And on that, let's wrap this up. Thank you, Madison. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you, Grant, Brad. <laughs> um, we had a lot of margaritas, too. We're totally We're, I, mean, I had, had a lot of tequila today. Yeah. Yeah. To uh, so, one, two, three. Stay, Stay dateable. date-able. In the book, Madison talks about his time brunching with his bros while dissecting each other's love lives. Hey, that's why we love brunch too. Now you can meet new people who share similar interests over brunch. Check out 500 Brunches and be sent on, you guessed it, brunches all over the city with new people each time. Come alone or bring a friend. There's always a table full of friendly faces, mimosas, and eggs benedict. Sign up at 500brunches.com and use the code DATEABLE for a free entry. To connect with us, visit dateablepodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under Dateable Podcast.